the 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. Five oh seven on the Central Coast on this Thursday, January fourth, two thousand twenty-four. I'm Dave Congleton. Uh, tomorrow we have our pet of the week. We're going to enjoy the cherry pie from Lynn's. Our dear friend Tom Matson checks in. Gary J. Fry Fryberg will be here. First time guest. I couldn't remember his name. Uh, special guest actor Lou Ferrigno, the Hulk, is going to join us. Monday is the thirty-second anniversary broadcast. Uh, we got a lot to cover. It is a Dave Congleton show, always your hometown radio talk show. Uh, this hour, uh, Axios reported in November about the status of newspapers. The decline of local newspapers, in this case for us, the Tribune, if you're down in Santa Maria, the Santa Maria Times. The decline of local newspapers accelerated so rapidly in 2023 that analysts now believe the U.S. will have lost one-third of the newspapers it had as of 2005 by the end of next year, rather than in 2025 as originally predicted. And we certainly saw that in uh, Santa Barbara last year when they decided to close down the Santa Barbara News Press. Anyway, there's a lot to talk about here. Always good to be in conversation with Mr. Jeff Bliss, longtime contributor and good friend of this broadcast. Jeff, Happy New Year. Thanks for being back with us. Happy New Year, Dave. Great to be back. Always great to be played on with uh, Nax, my Sharona. And I heard you mention Lou Ferrigno. When I was a kid growing up, well, actually I was in high school working at hardware store. I was, can I, if I can tell the story, I was working sure. the register one day in this I'm just had my head down, you know, counting whatever items they were this person was buying, and then I saw this giant hand come down in front of me on the table, and I looked up, and it was Lou Ferrigno. I swear, I think that hand was bigger than my head, or pretty close. It was just massive, and I thought, man, I do not want to screw up giving this guy the wrong change or something, but he was very nice, you know. It's my one Lou Ferrigno encounter. Yeah. Well, my goal tomorrow is just not to upset him, because we know what happens when he gets upset, you know. So I'm working on that. Uh, so, newspaper. Do you still read newspapers, Jeff? I I do read them occasionally in print. Uh, almost all the news I read is online. Yep. And uh, and it's a wide range of of outlets I read. You know, all the big ones in California: the Merck, the San Francisco Chronicle, L.A. Times, the Union Tribune. I, I read quite a few of them every day. Uh, not cover to cover, but you know, select pieces. But it's almost all online. But it is nice getting, you know, getting a variety, getting quite a bit of coverage. If I was just subscribing uh, to paper newspapers, I would be, you know, limited to just a couple, probably. Yeah. Now, for example, with me, I I still read newspapers, but I only read them online. The only time I ever see a traditional newspaper is if I'm staying at a hotel and it, they slide it under the door. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That, that, that sounds about right. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll be, you know, if I go to the barber shop or if I go someplace that just, you know, a, a diner that has just some laying around, I'll pick it up and read it. Or if I'm visiting, a, you know, somebody that still gets it. But, yeah, it's just, you know, the paper's gone by the wayside for the most part. 
Well, here are the numbers. Uh, this is uh, according to research done by Northwestern's Medill School of Journalism. Uh, in 2005, there were 8,891 newspapers. Today, there are roughly 6,000 newspapers left. And as this article points out, most communities that lose a local newspaper do not get a replacement, even online. Yeah, that that's that's right. I mean, and you know, part of it has been kind of as all of these different corporations and hedge funds, especially, have uh, you know collapsed these community papers and and you know put them all into one giant one uh, that represents a region or something like that. And you know, as you point out, we just have not seen a replacement. And that's that's tough on the communities. I mean, having a great, a vibrant you know community newspaper is so important. I think, of course, I'm probably old school on this, but I think it's important because it facilitates discussion, you know, often a more civil discussion than other other venues. Um, it certainly is a great outlet for not just news, but also the businesses, the advertising. It's hard to imagine, uh, you know, certainly since we grew up, but in the history of America, not having a community with its own newspaper or one nearby, uh, you know, kind of is part of the lifeblood. So it is sad to see. Yes, but and we were talking about this during the opening hour about restaurants, our values of our generation and the generation after us are not necessarily what the younger people embrace. So uh, they don't care about what fancy restaurant is in town. And Jeff, they they don't care about having news. They don't if it's not on TikTok, it's not news to them. That's right. You know, it, this is calling to mind something. There's a, a breakfast place near us, and occasionally I'll stop in there. And, you know, there's a counter along the wall there where the window is facing out to the parking lot. And uh, there's, there's, you know, that's the place you used to see people sitting and drinking their coffee and maybe having a donut, reading the newspaper. Now they're all watching uh, videos on their phones. And, you know, often these are, are two, turned up to 11 on the dial, but um, it, it's it's such a shift, you know, where people used to sit and, you know, peruse and, you know, maybe think about the news a little more, just kind of looking at quick 10 and 30 second clips about what's going on in the world or the world around them. And oftentimes, you know, we see from surveys, too, of especially of Generation Z and the millennials, they're really not even interested in news. That What they're interested in, uh, according to surveys, is entertainment. You know, whether it's them flipping through, you know, you see people scrolling through phones, or whether they're, you know, looking at news or um, I mean, entertainment that they like, uh, watching clips on YouTube or something. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a different it's a different world for sure. Well, and we bring it uh, back home here with our friends at the Tribune. They used to have their own building. They don't have a building anymore. They don't even rent a building anymore. The reporters are working out of their houses. There's no publisher based in town for the newspaper and i don't know it was two three weeks ago they actually posted an article hey we need money <laughs> we need your support <laughs> i mean that could hey that could easily be us or that could be caspy why but it's the newspaper that's doing that i know that when i used to live in san luis obispo when i'd go to chamber of commerce meetings or other events in town you'd see the editor you'd see the publisher or the publisher's representative you might even see a reporter or photographer too and it was just because they were part of the community but as you pull these these entities out of the community i mean how really how close can they be how how much can they really know and what we see again and again across the country is these these hubs that you know where you have a few editors working perhaps 
pulling wire copy or pulling, you know, freelance copy and just kind of jamming it all together in a paper that goes out. Maybe it leaves a couple holes for the local uh, editor or reporter to drop a, a couple stories in, but you just don't really get a true community newspaper. What you're getting is this bland, you know, template that comes from somewhere else. Well, and again, I'm not trying to pick on the Tribune, but they are a local newspaper and they are a McClatchy paper. So what you are seeing more and more in the, at least the online version, Jeff, are stories from other McClatchy newspapers or stories that they have picked off uh, wire services because they don't have enough local coverage. So they're trying to fill out the website or the newspaper itself with these other stories. That's right. You know, sometimes it is good. Sometimes you're getting uh, flavor, getting taste for things outside the area, which isn't bad. And, you know, most newspapers tried it. Some were more successful than others. But the problem is, is so much is, is left out. You know, the, the things that make up a community are really left out. And, you know, this is something that's being recognized by philanthropists now because they're starting to raise money and uh, provide grants for local journalism because it's just been so diluted. They understand the role that, you know, that paper plays, not just in getting the dates out about the coming, you know, uh, food fair or the, you know, the kids' uh, book, you know, sales or whatever. It's about things like, you know, city hall meetings and about discussions about candidates that can't get picked up by the home office in St. Louis or, you know, some editing hub located in Louisville. It just, it just can't be done. So they understand the importance of having a local newspaper, a local news entity, they can provide the the information that people know need to go about their daily lives and to be you know be a good part of a, a good cohesive civic network or um, uh, network may not be the right word but you know a good structure there in a city a town or a region that is missing in a lot of places in America right now. I want to follow up on that, but quick break first. We'll come back and continue our conversation with Jeff Bliss, uh, reacting to this article that by the end of this year the number of newspapers in the United States is going to decline by a third. What are the consequences? A lot to cover. We're live, we're local. You're listening to The Dave Congleton Show. You have landed on The Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. We're in conversation with Jeff Bliss. Talking about the fact that uh, one-third of U.S. newspapers as of 2005 will be gone by the end of this year. What are the consequences? We're seeing cutbacks in newspapers. And you were talking about the impact of that, Jeff. Let me piggyback on that as we continue with you. I've shared with my listeners here the Tribune used to really do a stellar job of covering city council meetings. Jerry Bunin would hit uh, Grover and Pismo and Roy Grande. If it was happening in South County, Jerry Bunin was there. Well, the Tribune doesn't have the resources to cover all these city council meetings. So it doesn't get covered. And Dave Congleton, who used to just go online and see what was happening in the city council meetings and then use that as a basis of his show, now I'm screwed. So guess what? I'm not talking that much about city council meetings. Yeah, and, you know, talk about the fourth estate, you know, being this this unelected branch, so to speak, that, you know, helps keep things, in, you know, checks and balances because, uh, you know, we can't be everywhere. We can't be at all the meetings. We can't uh, even understand all the things they're talking about the meetings. So you, 
you count on uh, the media to do some of this work to help you understand what's going on in your world, in your community. And to have so much of that taken away is is really detrimental. I think it's detrimental to democracy. Now, I will say this. there's There are these moves where they're trying to get government to fund newspapers and community newspapers, and I think that's a very bad idea. I think it's you know, it's important to have a separation of church and state, so to speak. And when the government is involved with the media, then, you know, we've seen what's happened in the past history, if not here in the U.S. and other countries, and that's a bad idea. So it's it's unfortunate uh, if there's a struggle or sort of a collapse in the media, but I, I think that, you know, having having the government involved in it and funding it with taxpayer money is a bad idea. So let me preempt a few phone calls here. How much of this does the media have themselves to blame? Meaning, uh, the argument that conservatives like to make is that uh, there's this inherent liberal bias uh, in newspapers and TV, network TV, network radio, and for decades they've just been beating up on conservatives. And then Fox News and other publications came along and conservatives have their own media now. And quote-unquote, mainstream media is struggling. Didn't they just create this themselves, Jeff? Well, it, to a certain extent. So, so let's kind of just look back at, uh, you know, at cable news, because this was the part you're talking about here. You know, in 2022, which is the last kind of recorded year we have for this through the Pew Research Center, both primetime and daytime cable news audiences increased for Fox, but decreased for all the other CNN, MSNBC, even the ultra-conservative Newsmax. But, um, you know, Fox did find a niche, and, and they filled it. They, they found the void, and they made sure that it was filled. But there, there's something more than just the conservatives who have been turned off by the mainstream media. It's that there's, a genera- there's these generational differences now that are making the bigger hit. Um, the younger generations, the millennials and Gen Z, are not interested in newspapers at all. First of all, they've grown up with social media. They've grown up with cable TV. They've grown up with satellite radio. They they don't need newspapers. They don't understand why we're, you know, staining our hands with ink from dead trees. If they can get the same kind of news from, you know, at, at, on demand, at, you know, at the speed of speed of light, why would they do the other thing? Um, so a part of the thing, part of the blame, I think, is also on the news media industry or whatever you want to call it, because they fought for so long to, you know, remain, um, you know, remain relevant uh, with paper when they could have been thinking ahead and gotten ahead of the curve with the electronic mode, with the Internet, with, you know, smartphones and all that stuff. So that I think they've been playing a catch-up game, a losing game for a long time. And I think that's a big part of it, too. And if if they played their their game the right way early on, perhaps they would have caught some of these you know audiences that are coming along. Plus, there's also you know the the, the look, the demographics of America are changing not just age wise, but also ethnically and culturally. So, a lot of newspapers and like you know TV and radio outlets that once thrived with a predominantly white audience or middle or upper upper class audiences are going by the wayside because you've got, you know, the face of America is changing. Our complexion is changing, so to speak. The way we look as a people, how we listen to it, and what language, and, you know, what's important to us, what's being broadcast, that's all changing. And I think the media, in many ways, hasn't kept up with it. And if I could just add one more thing. Recently, the L.A. Times added a new section. It's right off their their front homepage on the the website. I was just going to mention this, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, dedicated to their Spanish-speaking, Spanish-reading readers uh, and people who grew up in the Latinx communities. And um, I think that's a brilliant idea when it comes to, you know, marketing and sales or what have you. But I also think that's a little, that's too little too late is my, my feeling on that. Well, then what about uh, the role that hedge funds have played in all this? Because, for example, the Tribune is owned by McClatchy, who's owned by a hedge fund right now. Yeah, that's, it, feels, it feels like one of the more unfortunate parts of this whole business over the past uh, decade or so is these hedge funds that come in. Sometimes they come in and, and gut the businesses, just the idea of selling off the assets. And that's just horrible. I mean, that really has contributed to a lot of this, too, because they've, they've not made it so. It wasn't about competition. It was about coming in and buying assets, getting rid of personnel and shipping off uh, the business to another part of the U.S. rather than keeping it there. And that's unfortunate. I understand that's how capitalism works. It's destructive in, a, in to some extent, its nature. Uh, but it's been bad for communities, you know, whether it's San Luis Obispo or any number of other communities across the U.S. Oh, we're focused on newspapers, but I just want to acknowledge the obvious is that we could have similar conversations about radio, similar conversations about local TV news. Uh, KSBY is now owned by Scripps, and they completely renovated their 11 o'clock format now, uh, Jeff, whereas uh, Richard Gerhardt comes on at the beginning for a minute or so, and then it's just this wraparound. They just jump from reporter to reporter to reporter, and there's no repartee between the anchor and the reporters. I'm not sure what the advantage of that is, but yet it's another sign of how legacy media is changing. It is, and you know, I live down in Southern California these days, and there are a number of well-known stations that have these windows in every news broadcast where they insert somebody uh, from D.C. to talk about what's happening at the Capitol or Sacramento, et cetera. And uh, they don't belong to that station. They belong to the, you know, the overall owner, like you said. Um, and so they just plug in for three minutes here, three minutes there. And it's, uh, it's very disconcerting, especially if you're used to getting news one way or another. But I think, again, I think most of the audience these days don't really care for them it's just about a constant feed of changing things. We, like I said, we see this in surveys and studies of the younger generations, how they get their news, what they want to see in their news. And it's not about what we did. They, they don't care about the repartee. They don't care about, you know, stitching, you know, a narrative together over a newscast or something like that. They're just looking at getting something they can scroll through either visually or audibly. And like it or not. <laughs> All right, Jeff Bliss is here for the hour. We got news and traffic and weather. Speaking of news, we'll continue our conversation about the decline of newspapers and what's happening with so called legacy media. Welcome your phone calls, read your text messages, and continue. You're listening to The Dave Congleton Show.
Well, it need not be the end of the world. Newspapers will survive in some format, I hope. The media will continue to reinvent it as we continue with Jeff Bliss. Craig, you want to make a comparison to print media? Yeah, the way I see it is print media is like a healthy 95-year-old man. It's still alive, but the clock is ticking. It's just a matter of time. This is the radio guy speaking. Okay. It, you know, facts of life. <laughs> what about that? What about that, Jeff Bliss? I, I think uh, I think he's not far off. It certainly feels that way some days. It feels like how much longer can they keep doing this? And uh, just kind of like that, continue the old man, you know, getting getting weaker and weaker every day analogy. You know, you're talking about seeing the papers that only come to your doorstep uh, if you're at a hotel, stay there. Yeah, I'm always amazed at how thin papers have become. It used to be, I, I know, because at one time I threw newspapers as a paper boy. Uh, and those things, could, you know, throw out your shoulder after a season. They'd be so big. And nowadays, sometimes they are so thin, it's hard to believe that they're even trying to pass them off as a newspaper. There's so little there. I, I don't understand why anyone reads a traditional paper, paper, newspaper. Because you're right. It's just so thin and it's so expensive. Just read it online. Yeah, and, and kind of get touch, touching back with something you said earlier about, you know, certain agenda or political slant. I find myself, after a while, with some parts of the paper, that, you know, the columnists that you see again and again, the regulars and some regular reporters, I, I really already know what they're going to write. It's just become such a, you know, such a thing with them. Uh, there's, uh, for instance, there's a couple columnists at L.A. Times. I know what every column is going to be about. And so I just don't even bother reading it. It's just not its not worth my time to read something that's already been there a hundred times this past year. All right, let's take a call. We've got Jennifer in Oceano to start us off. Hey, Jennifer. Hi, Dave. Hey, Jennifer. Happy New Year. And to you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so you know that we were a, a newspaper family for a lot of years. Yes. And um, so it's kind of interesting what's evolved for us. For, for one thing, my husband left the newspaper industry because... Um, our family simply needed better financial uh, safety net than what we were able to be creating with um, working as a journalist um, at a local newspaper, right, at a right. community-based newspaper. But And then more recently, um, we've moved away from taking the hard copy paper that came every day um, because it financially, again, they made it um, – nicer for us to just do it online so that's what we've been doing is um subscribing to the tribune online which really has evolved into where i'm not reading the local news i'm still reading newspapers online i'm reading the new york times and the washington post almost every day but i'm not reading my local newspaper Unless I see something people are talking about on Facebook, and then I might go see what the newspaper might be saying about floods or, you know, a piece of the highway falling away or whatever. But I really think that this is not good. I mean, my husband and I have been talking about how we don't feel connected to the community anymore that we live in. Because we're not reading the local newspaper. And if we're not reading the local newspaper, there's a whole lot of other people who are not reading the local newspaper. Yeah, Jeff, comment, please. 
Yeah, this kind of reminds me of, uh, there was a book that came out a number of years ago called Bowling Alone. It was, yeah. you know, subtitle was The Collapse and Revival of the American Community. And it feels like we're going through this, this moment right now where it's just one more of those threads that's being pulled out of, you know, the, the tapestry or whatever it is, the te- you know, that makes us a community. And it's, it's sad because, like I said, it's, it's not just about, uh, you know, getting the news. It's about connecting people. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you pull it out or, you know, completely, uh, if a hedge fund just totally destroys it, or if it's run by some corporate hub in the middle of the country that has no connection, you're just not going to have that. It's, it's hard to imagine what's going to replace it. And I don't think a, a website or, you know, a platform like Nextdoor is enough to do that. I agree. Jennifer, what else on your mind? Yeah, I feel like you're absolutely right, but so far there isn't anything in to me that really replaces it. And I think that it's it's one thing, it's just another piece of this whole feeling like nobody has a place anymore, you know, this idea of putting down roots. I mean, I I just people feel rootless and the young people don't really seem to mind that. So I just don't know where that's heading for the human race. Well, let's talk about that. Jennifer, thanks for checking in. What would you say to Jennifer on that, Jeff? Well, I'm no sociologist, but it sure feels that way. It feels that, you know, we're, we've, you know, and we have so many devices and so many means to, you know, kind of put us in our individual silos and not be connected to each other. And, uh, you know, whether I'm riding the train up, you know, up in the Bay Area, BART, or, uh, you know, you're commuting or what have you down here, it's, you don't see people talking to each other like they used to. It seems like when they do talk to each other, they're yelling at each other. But, you know, I think so much, you know, talk again back to what has the media done to itself. I think one of the things is, is it looking for audiences, whether it's looking for conservative liberal has, has looked to find, you know, these, these polar groups, these polarized groups. And that only serves to further drive us apart from each other. We're even more polarized than we were before. At least that's the way it feels. And I certainly think that things like social media only exacerbate that. All right, let's take another call for Jeff Bliss. We've got Jim and Los Osos. Hey, Jim. Good afternoon, guys. Hey, Jim. Um, I just like to call and say that I'm a proud, addicted to the New York Times print newspaper. I've had it delivered to my house here in Los Osos for 40 years. Hmm. I can't think of anything better than sitting down with a cup of coffee, opening the newspaper, and just uh, learning about things. And I have been teaching thermodynamics at Cal Poly for 40 years, and I bring that newspaper articles into the classroom. So, for example, now everything is global warming, and what you learn in a textbook about thermodynamics never fills you in on the social and political things that are happening with respect to global warming. So I find it just so useful in my class, and I'm personally addicted to the obituary pages. Oh, dear. So, but Jeff, before Jeff responds, do you notice any difference in the newspaper? Well, the New York Times isn't quite as big as it has, but other than that, no, I think the New York Times is the same. I also get the Tribune delivered home, and the Tribune is just a shadow of what it used to be. And it's really sad, and I think you could connect the dots to the low voter turnout would probably correlate really well to the demise of newspapers. And that's my personal opinion about that. Well, hang on, uh, Jeff. How do you respond? Well, I, I think he's he's right in a lot of ways, and you know we're kind of in the same 
sort of in the same age orbit, it seems like all of us in, in terms of, uh, you know, having had the experience of reading the paper in the morning, sipping our coffee, learning about the world. And it's a great one. And unfortunately, it's, it continues to move farther and farther away from, you know, reality these days. Uh, and that's too bad for a lot of a lot of reasons. But, you know, I, I think there is kind of a correlation between what he's talking about, the, the lack of civic engagement, like voting, uh, and some of these things went away. I don't think it's the causation, but I think there's it's all part of the same group of things that are happening. And I think you can tag incivility, general incivility on that and other problems that are going on. Uh, but it just seems as we kind of move, you know, there was a time we were all moving together, and then there was this kind of, outward expansion, everybody pulling apart from each other. I don't know where it stops or how it stops, but I think uh, losing newspapers in your community is part of that. Jim, what else from you, please? So, with with regard to the obituary pages, it's like reading a biography of a famous person. Otherwise, you would not be in the New York Times in a half a page, or if they're really important, in a full page. I think that's invaluable, and I always bring those into my classroom. And when I grew up, I grew up in New York City, now I'm 74 years old. There was 11 English newspapers in New York City, and my father, who only had a eighth grade education, read three newspapers every day. Mm. He didn't read the New York Times because, you know, he didn't know enough. And my aunt, with a fourth grade education, always read the local Staten Island newspaper, and they were always engaged about voting. So I think there's a direct correlation between reading your local newspaper, and then showing up at the at the polls. I think so. All right, Jim, thanks for checking in. 805-543-8830, 800-549-5832. Talking with Jeff Pliss about the decline of papers, newspapers in this country. Paul is in San Luis. Hey, Paul. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I actually was listening to you guys. You guys were talking about conservative media, so yeah. I thought that was the subject of the That's, conversation. Then we'll go. We'll go there. What about it? Okay, Jeff. Do you think that there's a difference in journalistic standards between what people call mainstream media and Fox News? Well, I think there's a. I think. I, I think there's a difference between what you see in cable news and in broadcast news. And so I think you can look at the left side of the aisle, the Foxes. I think you can, I mean, the right side of the aisle, and you can look on the left side of the aisle with MSNBC, and you see the same ideas except just pointed at different audiences. Um, and I, I just, I think there's been kind of a, you know, I, I always tell people, I say, you know, when people ask me about one or the other, and I say, I'm often reminded of a, of a quote that I saw in a book one time about life inside Leavenworth Prison. And, uh, you know, Warden told the author, he said, look, things only happen in here because one of two reasons, either fear or hate. And so that's how we make things work in this prison. And I often look at the media and think, wow, it feels the same way, whether you're talking about Fox or MSNBC. So you've got to hate that other side. You've got to be afraid of uh, what this group is doing or that group they're affiliated with. And so I don't see that much of a difference between the two because of that. I think they both do repugnant things. Sometimes they do really great stuff. But I don't find, I find that they, they look for those buttons because that's what drives people to watch their shows, to talk about their shows, to click on their stories, to pass them along to other people, to get on social media and spread them around. I, I don't see a difference between those two. Do I see a difference between them and the regular media? I think the regular media does some of that as well. They just not as much because 
they have a kind of a broader audience they have to deal with, albeit probably smaller usually, but, you know, they still have to do it. Yeah, Paul? Well, you know, you, you bring up cable news. Let's bring up CNN. And a lot of conservatives I know, they have a visceral hatred towards CNN. And you seem to, like, bring up MSNBC without bringing up CNN and their cable news network, just like Fox. Yet, when Chris uh, Cuomo was found out to be communicating with his brother, you know, they, CNN took the steps and they fired him. But Sean Hannity, it was well known that Sean Hannity was advising Trump you know, over and over again, almost on a daily basis, and he wasn't held to the same standard as Chris Cuomo. So I'm, I'm wondering why people on the right side tend to tolerate this uh, symbiotic relationship with uh, right-wing politicians and Fox News and, you know, CNN, who tries to actually has journalistic standards, they have a hatred of them. Mm. Well, I, here, here's, here's, I'll, I'll try to answer a couple of those things. I think the difference is, is that nobody has ever said that Sean Hannity is a newsman. Yep. I don't even think he has. Nope. And so I think, I think that's how they're able to skirt around that. I think where, where CNN would come out and say, this person is a journalist, then they have to adhere to journalistic standards as opposed to somebody who's giving their opinion, uh, you know, harebrained or not, 24-7. Uh, and so I think that's the choice. And I think, you know, if you look across all the, all the different uh, platforms, mediums, whatever, you know, people are not gravitating toward news for the most part, it seems, these days. They're gravitating towards things that, you know, validate their feelings. And so that's, that's, that's how you have these different cable news outlets, for instance. They, they, they are looking at results every six seconds through, um, you know, through what they see in the cable and what they're seeing on, di- you know, on the digital platforms. They get that read, so they know what's working. So they're always pushing out stuff that appeals to those people that are being validated by their, their news broadcast. Now, if, if you ask me why I think some people saying about CNN is because I think, I think people on the right view CNN as having uh, more, more, more of a voice, more power uh, in in media and politics than say MSNBC, they they find MSNBC is a bit more extreme. So they look at CNN and they say, well, these guys carry a lot of weight. They're supposed to represent uh, journalistic ethics and their reporting, and yet they don't always do that. So okay. that's why I think they do it. I, I don't I don't really care about any of them other than that's who they who they are. And I only picked out Fox and MSNBC because they seem to be you know, the two sides of the same coin. All right, let's leave it at that, Paul. Thanks for the call. Quick break. We'll come back for a final segment with Jeff Bliss. I'm Dave Congleton. You're listening to Hometown Radio. Top of the SABC Radio News and the Joseph Oceano makes the case as to why the U.S. should cut all funding to Israel. Yeah, you might want to stick around for that conversation. We're in our final segment with Jeff Bliss. We've been talking about the status specifically of newspapers in this country and how one-third of all U.S. newspapers will be gone by the end of this year. 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. If you want in the conversation, we need to hear from you now, please. Meanwhile... Jeff, on the Stolberg text line, 
A listener says, well, I bought my mom a subscription to the Tribune. She's 85 and really loves reading the real paper. Uh, I diplomatically say congratulations, but let's be honest here. And I'm 70. Uh, what kind of future do you have if your readers are 85? Exactly. And, uh, you know, I think one of the most important things a business can do is establish a continuing line of consumers, and newspapers aren't able to do that. And, uh, you know, I was looking at another fact today. It says that nowadays 93% of U.S. adults, all adults, get their news, or at least some of their news, from online, either mobile or desktop. Uh, that does not bode well for the printed page. I have multiple texts coming in on the Stolberg line referencing fake news online, and it's hard now to separate real news from fake news. I agree with that, Jeff. Yeah, and with the rise of AI, it's only going to get worse. We're already seeing things come out of, you know, Russia and Europe that have, uh, you know, a lot of fake stuff, photos that look very real, uh, news stories that are being, you know, created almost instantly to counter evidence or counter real stories. So this is going to be a problem for, for news, not to mention our, you know, elect, electoral, uh, you know, agencies and stuff for years to come, I think. This is, AI is the big, uh, you know, elephant in the room that we're not talking about. Uh, also on the Stolberg line, uh just read it online assumes that you have a computer or a smartphone. Thousands are left uninformed. It's true, Jeff. There's a digital divide, and there are a lot of people who are left behind. Let us uh, catch Larry and Aurora Grande. Hey, Larry. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. Hi, Larry. What's up? Got a, well, I got a question. I'm always in search of the perfect grail, the holy grail right. of non-biased media, whether it be in print, whether it be on radio, TV, uh, social media, true, the least amount of bias available, meaning, and I'm not just talking about how they put their slant on they, whoever they is, put their slant on a particular story, but also the words they use, because words in themselves have a bias built into them. And I've been looking, 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 trying to find a good... Right. bias-free or most bias-free you can find. Let me get a response. We're up against the clock here. What do you say, Jeff? Well, it's like Diogenes walking around with a lamp trying to find the honest man. It's I think it's an impossible task because it's a human endeavor, so, of course, bias gets infused into it. But you're just going to take the time to, to get as many sources as you can and boil it down from there. It's the marketplace of ideas with the best ones coming out, hopefully. Larry? Well, I, and I agree a thousand percent. I find like the Associated Press probably doesn't, most of the time, Associated Press does it with the least amount of bias when I'm reading something national. But, and I understand what you're saying about looking, you know, looking around, stuff like that. But then we're using our own bias to try and find unbiased. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's, a, it's kind of a never ending quest. Even if you thought you found the right one, you. You know you got to keep looking because nothing's perfect. So, yeah, yeah it's, just keep looking is all I can say. Fair enough. All right, Larry, thank you. We've got Bob joining us. Hey, Bob. A really good post-mortem, but I liken the, you know, uh, nostalgia for newspapers over the current form to that of landlines versus cell phones. And it is a, a, a heat seismic shift. When you had a landline, you didn't make calls away from your house maybe once in a while use a payphone, and your messages 
were there on your physical tape machine when you got home. Now people are just addicted to their phones. Um, I don't answer mine uh, during the workday at all, and I frequently leave the house without it. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's changed the way we you know we get our news, the way we behave, uh, and I think it's you know especially with so, combining social media with the instant uh, instantaneousness of of the phone or or you know a tablet or something like that is really changes and I don't think for the better. It's great to get news. I'm a news hound. I, I devour it every day, but it just seems like it's out of hand sometimes. What else, Bob? That's it. All right, good, good to show. hear. You. Thanks for the call. Um, what are the consequences of a world with fewer newspapers, Jeff, in a minute? I think the consequences are a lack of uh, connection between uh, people in a community. And I think we have already discussed the fact that you're just not getting the stories you used to get. You're getting, at best, something from, as they say, a thirty or 40,000-foot view rather than what's right in your community. And who can understand what's happening in San Luis Obispo when they're trying to write and edit news in a far-off you know, part of the country or even another country altogether? So, and if you add AI into that, and AI is doing the reporting and editing, then that takes it a whole other level away from where it should be. How optimistic are you these days about news and the status of news? Actually, I'm not. I'm, I'm you know, I, I put together a compendium every day uh, for various agencies and various people about news from all over the country, all over the world. And it just does not, the reporting seems to be getting worse. Uh, for instance, we had a caller talk about AP. I've seen AP was once, it felt like the gold standard, and I feel like, I can't believe what I'm reading, the sloppy writing, the poor editing, and the bad decisions. I mean, it's, it's gone way away from objectivity. And so those types of things, I think, are very troubling. Uh, Jeff Bliss, thanks, as always, for a great conversation. Thanks for all you do uh, for this broadcast. And we look forward to our next conversation. Thank you, Dave. It was great to be with you and the listeners. Have a, have a happy 2024. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, my friend. Off we go. We've got news, traffic, weather. Then Joseph makes the case as to why we should cut all funding to Israel. Uh, stick around. You're listening to The Dave Congleton Show. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kbec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.